what the book hopefully does is inspire you to think about all the sayings that you've been exposed to in your life and think of all that stimulus. I mean, we're, we're like, like the bees buzzing around a beehive. Like there's just words around us coming out of our cell phones everywhere. And so if you can try to trim up those words and lean into kind of one word that defines your day or makes you feel is your North star or makes you feel emotionally light or fit. It's a great way to kind of filter the day, digest your whole day, wrap it up in a nice bow. My one word is connect. I feel that as long as I'm connected, I'm good, you know, and it's usually a word you don't necessarily think it is, you know, your first try at it. So that that's what that book is about, is about thinking about all the words and then thinking about your word that could help you manage your day and your life better. Hi there, it's Kanika. Get ready for another season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview global thought leaders on their life stories, the legacy they're passing on to their kids, and of course, their mom sense and dad sense superpower. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Hey, I'm Daphne Oz. Hi, I'm Shawnee Darden. Hi, this is Chris Lynn. Hi, I'm Bob Nishamalan. Hi, this is Tony Leroy. Hi, I'm Shannon Lee. Hi, I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Hi, this is Michael Perry, founder of Maple. And you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's our mission to be inclusive. So we're having dads pull up a seat at the table. Tune in to my new monthly segment, What Matters Most with Maple, featuring my co-host, Michael Perry, tech founder and devoted father of two. Thank you to my brand partners, community, and you, yes, you, for making this podcast possible. Episodes release every Thursday. Join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Creator of the renowned fitness class Melanie Method and the national education nonprofit Melanie Kids, Rupa Mehta has been featured on The Kelly and Michael Show, NBC, Fox 5 Morning News, and in Vogue magazine, The New York Times, and Forbes. Her signature approach to wellness is exemplified by a focus on both physical and emotional health. Coined the Mommy Transformer by Urban Baby when she helped shape up new moms in no time, Rupa is now teaching us how to transform our perspective on the parent-child relationship with her fresh take on modern motherhood with her new book, Someone Calls Me Mommy. She is thrilled to be birthing this book that enhances the miraculous experience of motherhood while pregnant with her second child due just a week before Mother's Day. I don't want to take a nappy. My rain boots are happy. Celebrated educator and author Rupa Mehta heard those gleeful words from her toddler last year after a long morning of puddle jumping. That innocent, simple, and poetic sentence reminded Rupa of her late mother, Nalini, who sadly passed away a year prior. Inspired by her mom and daughter's uncanny similarities, Rupa tapped into her child's emerging voice and began profusely writing poetry from her and her daughter's perspective. What started out as a cathartic, artistic journey evolved into a book of 100 poems and illustrations with a fresh take on motherhood. And that is Someone Calls Me Mommy. We're going to dive into her book and her fitness philosophy and emotional health on this episode. Rupa, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Hi! I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy that I'm able to share your light 
with my audience. Rupa, you are a soul sister. I'm so grateful to have you in my life. And you've just added so much joy and and made me feel more secure and like a better person. I just, I can't stop singing your praises. I, I love you. I love you too. This is that the, the feeling is mutual from the second we met to now. It just we always have deep, thoughtful conversations and missions in life. And I feel honored to be part of your world today. Thank you. Thank you. I want to start with the how we met because it's an interesting story. We were both in New York, and I remember it was through a job posting that you had posted for Nalini Method. And I thought, wow, this woman who happens to be Indian as well is this fitness guru. And I want to learn more about her classes and her brand. And so I showed up for class and, you know, we did an interview after and I met your team. And I feel like what I found to be most compelling was how your face lit up when you spoke about Nalini Kids. And though I didn't take the job because I realized I have to use that same passion and rigor that you had to figure out what my dream was. So I I went on my own path that way, but right away was like, I'm signing up for a membership. I'm coming to class. I want to see more of you and I want to support what you're doing. And you have that effect on me and you have that effect on so many people who are in your orbit. They just see the the light and the um, intention you bring to whether it's fitness or education or parenting or kids or now motherhood. And they just are like, sign me up. I'm there. I want to be part of your bandwagon. That's so nice. How do I follow up from that? <laughs> you know what? I think naming a business after your mom does keep you accountable in a in a different way. You know, you I, I always wanted to create a welcoming atmosphere. And I remember when we first met, you said like your one word was believe, I believe. Yes. And, yes, that was and right. you were really kind of talking about believing in yourself to take that kind of that entrepreneurial jump. And it was just, I don't know, it was very kismet how we kind of connected that way. And I've always been passionate about kids because I've always felt so lucky that I had a childhood where someone really cared about me, really nurtured me and challenged me. And it's always felt like a natural duty to try to be in that space. Coincidentally, Sam, your husband was also met you through, you know, your work. I remember meeting him for the first time. This was at the STEM workshop we did. So the STEM workshop was... I guess our first venture with the New York City Department of Education, combining physical and emotional fitness. And we went to math and science teachers from all five boroughs. It was a collection of 25 teachers. And we wanted to teach them about this wellness program. And you were, it was a three-day workshop. That first day, they were not into it. You know, I remember yeah. the first teacher was, what did she say? She said, oh, I signed up for the robotics course. I didn't want to sign up for this. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you. Right. <laughs> and it, it was hard. And, you know, just to take a step back for, for your listeners, Nalini Kids is a program that combines physical fitness and emotional fitness for children kindergarten through 12. And I wanted to add that academic layer and kind of build it within the Department of Education, which is why we aligned with STEM. Yes. In a workshop and by day three, we were having amazing conversations about, you know, if you're talking about happiness, a science teacher, you can talk about the effect of stress on your body. If you're a math teacher and you're talking about emotional weight, you can measure how heavy the world and words feel in your life and learn about pie charting and growth 
demographing and taking surveys. So we were able to really come up with cool ways to integrate physical fitness, emotional fitness, and academic fitness. Yes, yes. And you chose to kind of go down an uncharted path after college. I I mean, you know, it was um, very commendable for you to not go into medicine or engineering or, you know, the tried and tested. And you knew you had a passion uh, for fitness and so much more. So well, you know, to be honest, I fell in love with teaching more than fitness. When when I was in college, I wanted to start an ice cream business. So I don't I don't know how that would have ended up, but I always was drawn to teaching. I felt I went through something life-changing in my 20s. No need to get into right now, but it it caused me to really think about life and I I was in, in a trustful place. And my dad suggested to me I start teaching to build up my trust in the world. And I was like, where am I going to start teaching? And he yeah. said, you know, that fitness studio you love taking classes at, I'm sure they'd be open to it. So I started out as a receptionist there. It was a famous Lottie Burke method on the Upper East Side. And then I became a teacher there and I, I absolutely loved it. It built my trust in the world again. I had so many different clients from so many different backgrounds. It was so unifying to see, No, you know, no matter how much money you have, no matter your background, no matter how old you are. I felt like I I was comforted that everyone was grappling with kind of similar things. So it built my trust in the world again. And then I decided to open up my own fitness studio and continue kind of building that nurturing, welcoming relationship. As you know, the thing that kind of stuck out to me was that I'd have these clients that were thin, physically in shape, but they felt overweight to me. And then I had like more overweight clients, technically overweight, who felt very light and vibrant to me. And this discrepancy between physical and emotional weight really weighed on me. I really, Mm. when I walked into a room and clients would ask me, how much do I weigh? Do you think I'm heavy? All these things. I I was like, you know, technically, I don't think you are, but yeah, energetically, I'm I'm getting a vibe. Right, right, yeah. And I think everyone feels those things from other people. I love that you've simplified it in your first book, Connect to Your One. I have the kids version here, and I can't wait till my kids can read because this is going to be the first thing I give them as a chapter book to read. (laughs) It's really uh, impressive. And tell us about why we should all have one word and how parents and teachers can help kids realize what their one word is that brings them back to center. I think, you know, the the idea is that, you know, you have one body, you work out, if you work it out in different ways, you'll have a different shaped body. You know, if I worked out like a weightlifter or a gymnast or an ice skater, my body is going to shape differently. Same with words, you know, you digest different words in your life and your emotional weight is going to be affected as a result. What the book hopefully does is inspire you to think about all the sayings that you've been exposed to in your life and think of all that stimulus. I mean, we're, we're like, like the bees buzzing around a beehive. Like there's yeah. just words around us coming out of our cell phones everywhere. And so if you can try to trim up those words and lean into kind of one word that defines your day or makes you feel is your North star or makes you feel emotionally light or fit. It's a great way to kind of filter the day, digest your whole day, wrap it up in a nice bow. My one word is connect. I feel yes. that as long as I'm connected, I'm good. You know, and it's usually a word you don't necessarily think it is, you know, your first 
try at it. So that that's what that book is about, is about thinking about all the words and then thinking about your word that could help you manage your day and your life better. And then another kind of running theme in your work is emotions and moods. And um, I want to touch on your second book, which is on what the Nalini method is predicated upon. And you have this very comprehensive workout for your clients. And, you know, I remember going to the studio um, on a weekly basis in the mornings and feeling so excited because I felt myself getting stronger. I felt that core strength developing and the flexibility and the stamina. So not only, you know, do you have your exercises that you, you guide your clients through, the fact that you have a book that ties in their moods is brilliant. So there's a workout for every mood you're in. So can you tell us a few of those exercises? At least why I work out and why I felt like a lot of my clients work out was just to feel like they were in a better mood, you know, beyond wanting to sculpt their body. But sometimes they just weren't in the mood to work out. You know, sometimes you feel like all the stars need to align, like I need to be in a good place to work out or I'm in a horrible place and I need the workout. But there's so much in between. And so I decided to kind of lean into the most popular things I heard in my classroom. So I came up with the seven mood, seven workouts. So it was the anger workout, the energy workout, the stress workout, the chill workout, (laughs) happiness, doubt, and anxiety. Those were like kind of the popular themes. And I I decided to do movements around that. So like the anxiety workout, for example, there's a lot of balancing because, you know, when you do tree pose and stuff, you might feel subconsciously anxious about falling. So hopefully though, all the workouts really are a physical manifestation of the emotion that is the target. Yes. They're like, they're like 20, 25 minute workouts that have been laid out in the book. Oh, it's so wonderful. And for kids, you've kind of simplified the concept where you can associate a word with a physical exercise. You know, growing this program within the Department of Education and within the school system, you know, not only did I want to make sure that these the mood concept, the emotional and physical weight concept landed, but I wanted to do it in a way where people who felt di- felt comfortable with meditation but and also didn't feel comfortable with meditation kind of felt welcome. So I really leaned into the word workouts concept. So we have things like the confidence workout, the happiness workout. You know, we're not, we, we, um, the anxiety workout, there are two to three minute long videos taught by various fitness instructors that I've met over the years in New York City. And these are all free workouts that, you know, your listeners can do. They're, they're from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Wow. Wow. And so um, what's an example for when, you know, a kid is learning how to do a push up? What workout is that? That is the confidence workout. And we have okay. this- workout. There's a, there's a plank and a push-up series and they are challenging workouts. I will put that out there to you, but really every single video, like I said, is two, two to three minutes. And it starts off with the dictionary definition of the word. So confidence and, you know, whatever that definition is, you have a narrator saying that, and then you have a breakdown of the pose and really leaning into proper posture and positioning in a world where it kind of 
especially younger children programming is so there's so much stimulus, bright colors coming at you. I really wanted to make sure that on the fitness side, I kept it more Mr. Rogers like almost. Yes. Yes. Kind of, oh my gosh. Just kind of calm best. and slow and kind of making sure that step by step you mastered the workout, but you really mastered the feeling you had during the workout. You understood what that word meant. So these workouts have been super successful. I mean, this the, the Nalini Kids program, I'm really proud to say it started out with 13 kids in that school I told, mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And now we've served 250,000 kids. And you know, and it's oh my goodness, we're in a place where we can really give our content away for free. So (sighs) that's really made me happy. That is incredible. And and tell us some of those you know stories that touch your heart because you know some of the um, the communities that you're working with are underserved, and you're helping you know change the narrative for these kids' lives from the onset. Oh, it's I mean. I think one of my favorite stories is, I don't know if you ever, if I ever showed you the video of this, this young man, he's, he's on our YouTube channel. He's amazing. His name is Sam Uh and he was on the spectrum, is on the spectrum. And he came up to me at graduation and he's like, I love these word workouts because it's like a filing cabinet in my brain. And I'm like an emotional detective now. So he was in, I think, third or fourth grade at the time. So when he got angry or he felt anxious or worried or happy, or, you know, it doesn't have to be just kind of these negative things. Yeah, of course. That Mm -hmm. weigh us down. He felt like he had a go-to physical move. And more than that, he felt like he understood when his palms got sweaty or his face got hot, that physically his body was giving him signs that he needed to then take, you know, his detective hat, put it on and figure out the emotion. And that was really life-changing for him. His teachers, his family spoke to me and told me how much it really changed his attitude towards growing up. He was very, sorry, he was in fifth grade at the time. Now I remember Mm -hmm. he was about to go into sixth grade and they were worried about his middle school transition. He was more of an isolated child and he made a lot more friends after the program and felt like more connected to his community in school. Now I want to just talk about motherhood and you know, what better person to start with than reminiscing about your mom. But I met Nalini Anti on many occasions and she is basically the personification of joy. She was very simple and kind and warm and thoughtful and was just at baseline happy. You know, her name in Hindi um, means lotus. And, you know, I know that you've uh, recounted this um, in your many speaking engagements and and books. You know, Nalini being lotus, it's it's her the way she lived her life and the essence of who she was was exactly that. The lotus flower can uh, grow from the mud and the muck and find its way to the uh, surface and float on the water, be flexible and adaptable and blossom uh, and reach for the sun. And that was exactly her. So, I mean, the connection you guys share is just, you know, it's so palpable. And, and I think it's, it's amazing that when you decided to, to go on your entrepreneurial journey and um, create this very unique brand that is Nalini Method, Nalini Kids, you wanted your mom a part of it. It was like, you know, this whole staple is going to basically encapsulate what mom represents, right? 
Yeah. I mean, you said it so beautifully. I don't know if I could say it any better. Really, she she was joy. I mean, my mom had a way about her that just made everyone feel very comfortable and confident. And I, I, I knew that anything kind of good that I was pursuing in life, there could be the path back to her and her goodness. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. So having that front and center and being an organizing principal just felt very natural and felt like it had to happen. She just had these like little quick sayings that I just feel like really captured her. Like if I called her and was like, oh, I'm having a tough day, she'd be like, you know, you should just be like Walgreens, hang out on the corner of happy and healthy. <laughs> like, <laughs> just have, like, these, like, like little, like I'm like, what? Just, yeah, just little quips to, like, yeah. Like, like little tips. I remember when I first moved to New York City and I met all these women who were like, just like looked so young for their age and they didn't have varicose veins and all this yeah. stuff. And I was like, there's like this thing going on in New York City. You could fix your varicose those veins. And she's like, you could also fix your attitude. Okay. That's true. You know, she just like, I, she just, she had a confidence about her, but she was like a sassy mother, Teresa. And then a, a calm about her. That was so joyful. You know, she's four eleven. would walk into a room, eyes bright, sparkly, and just had this warm attitude and kind of like, you can do it. And so I feel very lucky that I grew up. I would have taken her as like a grandma, a sister, a friend, a daughter. I would have taken her in any way, shape or form. So, I mean, let's talk about what it felt like when she passed. And I know it's something that's, uh, you know, it's, it's really emotional, but you can look at it as an irony, but it's also very poetic to think the year she passed was the year you gave birth to your daughter. Yeah. And so there's there's something metaphorical in that. Because I was so close to my mom, I think I have the peace of understanding, you know, that we left on good terms, everything that I needed to say, I said. Uh, but no matter what, how she passes, the family dynamics involved, the, the not having a mommy, it all hurt and it hurt more deeply than gaining a child that wasn't going to be able to experience, you know, the essence of my mom. You yeah. know, I, I lived in New York City at the time and I moved to Virginia to be with her. She had brain cancer surgery a month before I was due. And then she kind of, you know, she was just a different person after that surgery. And so I really lost her very close to giving birth. And it was very tough. I don't think I could have seen the sign for what would be a healing path forward. But 
I know she was happy. She was, she knew I was pregnant. She was like, she held on to that big belly I had and was like very joyful about it before. Um, but it let, you know, just like everything else that she taught me, I, I guess it led me to another entrepreneurial creative path. And then, you know, I find myself writing another book and having yes. a cathartic moment that I don't even know how somehow it's still connected to Nalini. Yes. She has, yes. Like, she has this power over me. I don't, <laughs> I don't even understand. Like she's, she's not here anymore, but now she is here again in my, like yet another venture of mine. Tell us how motherhood changed you was there a moment that you felt like maybe it was during the delivery or after uh, locking eyes with Paul that you were like I'm a mom now I I literally don't even understand I'm still trying to understand the concept that someone calls me mommy like yeah (laughs) I'm like that I'm like the emergency contact I hold the insurance cards like Mm -hmm. I mean I know I'm responsible but am I really that responsible I don't you know it's just that that whole concept you know I think you know you go through the pregnancy I had the baby and I I did the stuff you know I did I fed the baby I the baby's napping I did all the things but you know it still felt like I'm still a child and not having my mom with me for that I, I just I can't believe I was like the woman in my life like you know I didn't have someone above me and the the person who I just gave birth to wasn't going to give me that much direction at that time so it was life-changing in that sense that I just did I felt like more like a child still but Tal is awesome. I mean, she reminds me so much of my mom. I was not expecting that mannerisms, like sarcasm in ways that I really wouldn't have expected. And I I draw it back to a time. There was a time in the hospital with my mom. It was like two o'clock in the morning and she met Tal and she was like six weeks old. And she, we call it the transfer day in the house. Mm-hmm. And we just feel like my mom's face changed. She's, I went into this hospital room and I wanted my mom to really feel that, like, I'm going to be a mom. Don't worry. Like, I'm going to do it. And I like whipped out my boob and breastfed right on my mom's like chest with tall. It was a very powerful moment. And I, we always say that's a transfer moment because like tall after that was so calm on the drive home. My mom's eyes had changed and we, I don't know, we call it the transfer day. Like some, something generationally happened. So now this book is, it's very much Rupa and Nalini and Paul. <laughs> Everyone's in here. And um, is there a poem that you're, that's, you know, one of your favorites? Well, you know, I mean, I think the genesis of the book is really my favorite part. You know, like yes. I was walking with Tal. I mean, we, we we had just experienced a long morning of puddle jumping. She was just like, you know, I'm sure every kid goes through this where they put on their rain boots for every single occasion. And she was just jumping a lot in these puddles. And she said, uh, you know, I told her she had to take a nap. We were going to go in the car. And she's like, I don't want to take a nappy. My rain boots are happy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just so cute. Like the delivery, it was, it was poetic. It reminded the, the her delivery was like a, similar to my mom. And I felt inspired that night to go home and write poems from her perspective, tall, which felt like my mom's perspective and me about napping and a whole bunch of different things of motherhood. So I think the probably the poem that sticks out to me the most is the nappy poem 
that one, the, the last one in the book. Yes. Yes. So my favorites I want to share now, and I just, I think it's, it's so humorous um, to see the juxtaposition across both the pages uh, because we, we all feel it. So one is happy day. And this is from Thal's perspective. Everyone is smiling. I have cake all over my face, laughing in pictures, singing with grace. I hope every day we visit this place. And happy birthday is from, you know, your uh, vantage point. We made it. All your limbs are attached. You have your vaccines. You're standing and reaching for greatness, it seems, which is really, really sweet. And another um, fun one I like, because this is something that parents do all the time. And, you know, oftentimes we don't put ourselves in our kids' shoes, but it's uh, the poem, no. So you say no much more than yes. Is this a reverse trick to do less, not more? You say no to my no. How confused are you? And imagine me, I'm only two. The you know response to that is no, no, no. And it's, I promise there are so many things you can do, just none of the things I don't want for you. <laughs> and it's just, they're so fun and catchy and, you know, they're like little limericks. And I love that, you know, as a parent, especially we can relate to both sides and, you know, and I think it's important that we explore our kid-like selves because we don't do that enough and it's in there, right? Like, do it's you feel so like, true. yeah, it's so true. You know, I feel like, you know, the motherhood space is inundated with so many products about feeling isolated or feeling anxious or the heaviness of changing your life, which very well are all things that happen. But I feel like there was like room for like a fresh little take where like a kid looks at motherhood. You know, my favorite yeah. movie of all time. Well, I have a lot, but this is one of my is Look Who's Talking. Yes. I found it hilarious. <laughs> like the ba- like I just I just found it hilarious with the baby talking. And I kind of wanted to take that approach to like napping, breastfeeding, all, all these things, you know comparing myself to other moms, like, you know, what would Tal think? You know, I'm sitting here comparing myself to another mom and Tal's like, I have the best mom, you know? Yes, yes. I wanted to, and I had fun doing this book because it was fun to do illustrations around it. I felt like I was hanging out with my mom and Tal, you know, I, I didn't get to memorialize my mom because of COVID and the timing of so many things. And so I had kind of put off kind of the morning of my mom. And so it was a very mm. cathartic experience writing this book from Tal's perspective and my perspective about all these things. And how do you, you know, connect with Tal in this way where, you know, you speak about, you know, her grandmother and just what these intergenerational connections are um, and what being a mommy entails. Like, I feel like, do you have these conversations since so much of it is captured in written form in the book? My biggest thing is that I feel like because my daughter isn't going to meet, you know, my mother in the way that I would hope that sometimes I put on a grandma hat, you know, Rupa Mm. as a mom wants to go to nap on time and wants to eat on time and eat the full plate. Rupa as a grandma would probably be a bit more chill (laughs) and, you know, ask her what she's feeling and doing. And sometimes I put that hat on and it's like, comforting because I feel like I can kind of channel that energy in a different way and yeah all can experience that so I think that's been a weird interesting way that I've tried to combine it all what are some 
I guess, pointers or, or tangible takeaways you have for parents on how to really dial in and think from your kid's perspective so that you have that bond? Because I think it's important to establish it early on, even with a one-year-old or a two-year-old. But when we're older, you know, we are going to have teenagers someday. And I feel like if we don't have that unwavering bond from the get-go, it, it might be harder to establish later. So what can we do now, especially if we have young kids? I would say the number one thing, and I think this is the culmination of Nalini method, Nalini kids, and now someone calls me mommy, is flipping the question of asking a child what they want to be when they grow up, what they want to do, what are you looking forward to, to who are you now and what can you teach us? If you actually look at your child as a teacher for you and actually like, put that hat on like so genuinely, I think the world really opens up. So even, you know, Tal is two, I look at her as a teacher sometimes. And Mm. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't need to know how to do this puzzle for her. I, I, I don't need to examine exactly what I'm doing on my timeline. Like really, what is she teaching me and leaning into that aspect of it? I think it's yes. a big difference. I, I've noticed it in Alini kids as well. You know, people of any age have so much to share, a wealth of experience. Tom might only be two, but she's a different two-year-old than I was, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and she yeah, has absolutely. different experiences. She's living on a farm. She's living in New York City. I, I grew up in Virginia. She has different takes on life. And if I make space for her to teach me, we have a more genuine moment. And I want to give a shout out to your wonderful husband, Sam, who is uh, so fun. And I can only imagine how animated he is as a dad. So what what is he like with, with all? He just listens to her. He just meets her on her level, always down to like get down on the ground, have fun. And I think he only sees her as a teacher, which has been so great. And he's been so welcoming to like the energy of like my mom being in the house, you know, I mean, he Mm. sees the similarities and the uncanny things and he's just willing to take a step back and kind of let that energy shine for her. So I feel like she, she's really been the teacher in the house. And you have uh, a baby on the way. (laughs) So tell us about, you know, how you're feeling having the family grow. And in fact, you have another book in the work. So it's like two, <laughs> two kids. On yeah, the way. It feels like, I know, I, but yeah, baby boy on the way he's due like a week before mother's day. Mm. And, you know, we, we, we just came out with this book. So it does feel like a little bit like twins, this birth thing experience or this journey has been just so different than the, than, you know, my experience with my daughter. So it's been, Interesting. You know, I'm I'm excited to meet him and see him, but you know, I'm I'm not in a hospital anymore. I'm not, you know, going back and forth to doctors and spending night on like, you know, in a hospital bed and losing my mom. So it's it's just a totally different experience. I'm able to be present in in very different ways. You know, because you live on a farm and you have, you know, sprawling fields and nature at your doorstep. Tal doesn't know what a TV is. 
No, no, she doesn't. I find that my day is just easier if I'm like present with her in the moment. And then on, if I need to be on a cell phone or computer, that's like a different room. And that's a different time. I just okay. feel like mixing and multitasking just doesn't work for me. So to me, it actually saves me time and stress in my day. And yeah, maybe it was a little bit harder work in the beginning. You know, I definitely have friends that, you know, if they're, if their kids in the car, they can put the cell phone in front and it tends to be like, you know, an easier experience. But now, you know, now she can do like a three hour car ride and she's just telling us what she's observing out the window. But was that like that, you know, at, at five months old, six months old? No. So it was harder at that time, but now it's easier. I see it in education. It's been so apparent. You know, I, mm. I, I talked to a third grade teacher the other day who said, you know, my kids who are coming back to school, they don't know how to raise their hand in person, but they know how to raise their hand online. You know, that that's tough. That's that's tough. You know, right. if you're right. feeling more confident behind the scenes. And so I can't be headache free while looking at Instagram. Like I end up in like a black hole. I'll end up like researching yeah. someone's cat and like look at pictures of cats for 10 hours. Like I'm just not very savvy with that stuff. And so I think that this has just been easier for me because I'm just not naturally as much on it. Is there a mom sense moment you can share? And by that, I mean a time where you trusted that sixth sense and intuition that we have. I think Tal needs more space than, you know, sometimes she's introduced to. And I feel like I just know that, like I, I can tell, like when she meets someone, she can go in for a hug, but maybe she doesn't want to. And I feel like I trust my ability now to create that structure for her. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Um, is there a quote that you live by? If you think you're too small to make a difference in the world, you haven't been in bed with a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just love that quote. I think it's like my five foot stature. I just, I just, I really get it. I feel it, you know? It's so yeah. Cool. Like this little mosquito can like mess up your day, but also, yes. like, you know, it's kind of cool that it, he's so powerful. So I don't know. I just, yes. That's yeah, I, I completely agree. I've had malaria, so <laughs> mosquito can do some damage. <laughs> yes. yes, so true. Where can my listeners find you and your book? Um, and most importantly, someone calls me mommy and just all the different work that you're doing. You can buy the book at me-mommy.com, me-mommy.com. I am on Instagram, mm -hmm. <laughs> made my little debut. Uh, my at symbol is Rupa underscore mommy. And it's kind of an artistic expression of the perspective. So I'm excited about doing that. And then if your listeners are interested in kind of the free workouts for their kids at, to do at home, like the one word workouts and stuff, you can go to wordworkout.org anxiety workout, happiness workout from kindergarten through 12th grade there. They're free and available. You don't have to even give your email address. And then what about for those of us who, you know, want to advocate for our kids and, and you know, if you're in the education system, how can we get Nalini Method to be taught in schools near us? 
Oh, I mean, you you could email me directly, rupa at nalinikids.org. Whether you want to learn more just about how to implement it yourself in your environment, homeschool as a parent, as a teacher. And then we definitely have materials in place to support a workshop or professional development and bringing that into your school. And, you know, we, we have experience training hundreds and thousands of teachers. So whatever is the right model for your level of interest. Yes. Thank you, Rupa. This Thank was just you. the highlight of my day, my month, my year. Um, oh, I'm so, so excited for you. All the things. This is Thank so you. fun. You asked the best questions. My goodness, you really, you. I feel like you made me think about honoring my mom in a different way. And I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to today's episode with my dear friend and soul sister, Rupa Mehta. She is truly a wonderful soul and is embracing all that her mother Nalini taught her and is passing that on to her kids. And it's really, really remarkable. Tune in to other episodes and you can browse my YouTube channel for highlights of these episodes. Uh, You can just type in that's total mom sense and it'll come up. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps a ton. You can visit my link, that's totalmomsense.com backslash iTunes to leave your review. Write to me at that's totalmomsense at gmail.com and follow me on Insta at Kanika Chada Gupta. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. See you next time. That's total mom sense.